Back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. The show name is a reference to how many great Astros' last name begin with the letter B, who were playing back in the 90s when they were not winning World Series. Bagwell, Biggio, Barry, Bell, and eventually Berkman. You might not remember Barry and Bell, but trust me, you'll remember Blank and Brenham. Here they are now, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Spencer's just trolling now with that Killer B rejoin. He's Blank, I'm Branham. DJ Enemy joining us on the HRP guest line in studio, though. Uh, DJ covers the Houston Texans for ESPN.com, does a great job with it. DJ, how you doing? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing good, real good. Um, just, you know, getting really excited for this game coming up um, because the Texans have a lot to play for now, right? Um, I think at this point of the season, people coming in would have just been happy to be in this spot. Um, but I don't think a lot of fans thought that they could really be in a push for the playoff type of ordeal, mainly because some of the teams are falling off in the division. Like the Titans, I thought the Titans were going to win the division. Obviously, they won't. Um, obviously, they're able to steal win against the Steelers. Crushed the – not steal. They crushed the Steelers and they crushed the Jags. So now it's giving people hope to think that there's a legitimate shot that they could make a playoff run or they make it – be in that playoff hunt down the stretch. I mean, if you win this game, you're back in 4-4 with a chance to play the Bengals, who are rolling hot. But again, you have a shot to be in the dance. So it's good that the Texans are in this position because for the last, what, two, three years, by week eight, the season's already done. Yeah, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you. A lot I want to get to, to you with. But the, the, the goals of this team, because, you know, we talk playoffs. We do sports radio. We're, yeah. we're, we're filling 15 hours a week about, you know, large part of this team. Um, and the Texans have a rookie quarterback. They're very young. They have a first-year head coach. But because of their schedule, they've played well. Uh, it looks like playoffs could be a realistic goal with this team, even even losing last week at Carolina, handing Carolina their, their first win. Do you think that is a realistic goal for a first-year head coach, for a rookie quarterback, seven games of the year, three and four? Is that fair to put that on them? Yeah, mainly because they, they get to play the Broncos, the Cardinals, the Jets. Titans twice and the Colts to end the season. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the schedule, it's like, oh, wait, no, nah, they really have a <laughs> shot to make a run where they don't have to make it, but the expectation should be you're in the hunt down the stretch where you're playing meaningful games in week 16, 17. Oh, and they play the Browns. I mean, again, we've seen how, you know, their offenses look with whether it's with Deshaun or PJ Walker. Yes, the defense is great, but your defense can only be great for so much without your offense giving you much before the defense starts to bend a little bit. Um, so I think. You know, they're in a great spot, and I think it's fair to put the expectations that they should, at the bare minimum, be in the hunt to possibly make the wild card. Well, with that being said, too, DJ, DJ, I was curious because of the fact that we had all penciled in last week as a win. Yeah. And then you lose a game that you we all thought they should win. Yeah. How many, with what you just said, how many of those can you afford to now lose, or do you have to, because we've had this conversation about, okay, you know, not that you need another signature-type win like some of the ones you mentioned, but you're going to need, if that was one you penciled in as a dub and it wasn't, now, is there one that you're going to be able to get that maybe a lot of people doubted you on because of the fact that you want to stay in the hunt? Yeah, I mean, losing last week to me isn't that big of a deal because they lost to an NFC team. So that's not going to actually even affect any of the tiebreakers. They're, they're not going to win a division like the Jags are going to run away with it now. I mean, the Jags have beat all the teams that I thought they were going to split with or struggle with. They beat the, the Niners, the Saints, and the Steelers. Um, so they're going to... They're going to run over with the division. It's more about the, the wild card. I think the wild card 9 and 8 is going to get you in because I think it's going to be a bunch of cannibalism across the board in the AFC. So them losing to the Panthers isn't, you know, the end of the world in my eyes. Um, when this week, get back to 4, four and 4, but now that stretch where you're going to play 
the Bengals, uh, played the Cardinals, played the, the Broncos, teams that could potentially, obviously not the Cardinals, but teams that can be in that wild card race. That matters more. And I think the games that we think that they should win, probably the Cardinals game, the Broncos game, probably the home game against the uh, the Browns, the home game against the Titans. If they get those those games, right, those four games I just mentioned, they'll they'll be at, what, seven wins minimum? Yeah. Yep. So, yep. yeah, I mean, you know, they're going to have to steal a couple more games, whether it's the, the Jags game at home or the Jets game on the road um, or the Colts game on the road. But they're going to have a sh- – like, they – Last week, yeah, it happens, but every every team has a loss that makes no sense. Like the card, not the Cardinals, but the freaking um, uh, Chiefs just lost to the to the, to the Broncos. <laughs> yeah. You know, yep. so like every team goes through it throughout the NFL yeah. season. I think I'm with you on that. I've been looking at games as uh, like three game pockets yeah. and going two and one in all those three games. Now losing at Carolina, I think, puts huge emphasis on Sunday. Yeah, because now back to back losses. Now yeah. you're three and five. Right. Now if you want to get to nine wins, you got to go. What is that? Six and three down the stretch over your yeah, final yeah, night. Now yeah, it's yeah, tough. Yeah, so I think yeah. I'm with you that that loss isn't a deal breaker. But it adds the emphasis uh, to Sunday's game, and, yeah. and according to actually according to the Texans, uh, they've announced that Damian Pierce is out. Uh, yeah. They've been a very run-heavy team, even though they haven't been great at mm-hmm. running the football. Right. What do you think it's going to look like offensively with no DP? What do you think it should look like offensively on Sunday? I think with no DP, they're still going to try to run the ball a lot. They're going to try to you know make Singletary the lead back in that regard and try to get him a lot of carries. Cause I, I think that this staff is smart to realize that CJ still, even though he's played well, he's still a rookie. And the last thing you want is to have your rookie quarterback throwing over 40 times. Cause like, think about their, their wins. CJ hasn't thrown it that, like he's thrown, I think at the most 30 times, maybe a little bit more than 30, the Jags game. But even that game, I think it might've been 30 at the head and same with the Steelers game. And then the game, they beat the, the saints. Um, he only threw the ball 27 times. So again, like you're going to need that balance because they're going to, again, have to be kind of controlling the clock, things of that nature, relying a little bit on your defense, just a touch more. And then taking your chances to score, you know, create the explosive on the offensive end when you have shorter fields, things like that. So I think, you know, we're going to see a lot of DP. We're going to see some Mike Boone. I could see the, um, uh, Gerard Dokes getting called up mm-hmm. to possibly be, you know, that fourth running back just in case. Cause there, he does a lot of special teams, so maybe if they want to, you know, have four potential fresh bodies for that regard, since there is going to do a lot of special teams. So I still think they're going to run the ball a decent amount, try to be 50-50, because, again, like against a top Bowles-led defense, you don't want your rookie quarterback throwing it over 40 times, and I think that's where, like, the whole discussion kind of gets um, off the rails because people are like, oh, just lean into what you do really well. Just yeah. throw the football I mean, I'm around, one of those but, guys. I, I, hand to God, I'm so, one of those guys. So what, what's, to throw the ball what's the ratio, lot. though? What's the ratio, though? Um, I, I see you – I agree with what you're saying. Like, it is difficult to just be like, hey, CJ, you're a rookie quarterback. Go throw it 40 times a game. Like, I, I, I do understand that. But I think that the strength of their offense is passing the football, especially without Damian Pierce. CJ Stroud is a good thrower of the ball. Yeah. Uh, off it, like, just look at the offensive line. Laramie Tunsil's strength, more pass blocking than run blocking. Titus right. Howard's out of position right now. I, right. I have a difficult time really judging Titus Howard at all, but a better mm-hmm. pass blocker than a than a run blocker. Right. They're hurt with who they have in the running back room. Singletary's good out of the backfield. Dalton Schultz, better catch catching the ball than blocking. Yeah. I just think it's their strengths. And I understand that you can't just like throw the ball 60 times a game because you have to have offsets, you have to have counters, you have to have stuff like that. But you see, you see he didn't answer the question though, right? What's I'm the getting ratio? there. Yeah, I'm okay, getting there. Um I would probably go how many plays were you were you counting so for let's against say Tampa 60 Bay? Plays, say 60 plays. I'll probably go 35-25. Pass rush. 35-25? Yeah. Yep. 
I mean, this team's averaging what on the ground? Like yeah, under bad. three and a half? Yeah, like, that's not bad. See, I would go 35-25. Yeah, you know I'm, I'm good with that because I think sometimes some people would be like, oh, make it like 70 yeah, I mean, I've been I've been like tongue and tweak on Twitter, like throw it fifty times, CJ Stroud. Right, I'm, right, I'm, right. I'm about thirty five. Yeah, yeah. See, 35, 35 attempts, twenty five rushes. I'm good with that. Too. Yeah, like, but is it think. also is it one? Is it a product of the fact that because we know they do that well, we know that that short intermediate passing game is what they really excel at. Mm-hmm. But is it more so that you're facing a guy like Todd Bowles, a guy that you know, no matter what he's done in his career as a defensive coordinator, he can dial some things up. He yep. can he can be creative, and that's yep. the last thing you want CJ to see. And have to deal with if they're passing it excessively. Yeah, no, I, I'm thinking with that. That also, I mean, I think also, in, in all honesty, they're just gonna have to like on third downs pivot from only attacking the middle of the field. Like that's where a lot of their scheme and attacks have been on third downs. They've been really wanting to get it to the middle of the field, the majority, because from week four to week one to four, CJ threw the second most pass attempts over the middle of the field mm-hmm. from week on third downs from week um, one through four. And it's still up there since then, but the success rate has come down drastically. Yes, the pass rate, I might say 130, I mean 113, but that's because he had two touchdowns, no interceptions, so that kind of spikes it up, but the completion percentage is 53. So they're just going to have to figure out how to attack on um, outside the numbers consistently um, to be able to combat you know, some of the things that Todd Bowles is going to do. And again, like I think what's going to make it easier is if you can get into them, some yeah. third and fives, some third and fours by being able to establish the run. So then... You know, when it's third and four, you can now you can utilize the entire field. But if it's third and seven, third and eight, everybody knows that they're trying to attack the middle of the field because once he's really good there. And again, um, that's a staple within, you know, just the West Coast Kyle Shanahan tree. That's a staple to attack the middle of the field. You see in Miami, you see it in Green Bay, you see in San Francisco. They want to attack the middle of the field. But, you know, if you can run the ball, get it to like third and fours, third and fives. Manageable. Yeah, manageable. So Mm -hmm. that at that point now like the Todd Bowles can't get too funky mm-hmm. in regards to what he wants to throw at you because if it's third and seven, now nah, he can get really creative where he can do have two guys in the um, double A gap and then double A gap mug, make it seem like everybody's coming, then people drop out. So, you know, now CJ, instead of focusing only on the secondary. Now the wheels are grinding. Yeah, now yeah. the wheels are grinding. Now he's like, okay, well, who's this? This guy coming, that guy coming, da, 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 da. You know, now the mind gets really rolling. But if you can make it third and four, yep. third and three, and I do think that they should probably throw a little bit more on first downs um, because they have, like, the lowest first down pass rate in the league. So I do agree they should probably switch that up a little bit. But um, because, again, like... The but top- isn't that, and, and that's the same, isn't that the same product as saying, okay, look, we know that they've been in the intermediate passing game, but they're also very predictable on the fact that it's not just first, it's first and second down. They get real predictable trying to force the run a lot. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, for sure, for sure. And I think that, you know, they could probably switch it up uh, um, in that regard. Because, you know, most teams, they, they'll go pretty vanilla on first and second downs, unless it's second and long. But if it's first down, they they can go vanilla for the most part. That's why I was seeing a little bit with Todd Bowles where they're not really doing too much, kind of basic base stuff, basic stuff. And then you can, you can you know, you can uh, um, throw the ball, attack with it. You run some quick outs, um, stick concepts, slants, whatever it is. Or even want to take a shot. Because another thing is, you know, if you want to push the ball down the field, the best time for them would be to push it on first or second down because teams aren't expecting you to try to throw it vertically. So, DJ Bienemy joining us. Uh, you can follow him at DJ Bienemy. Covers the Houston Texans for ESPN, ESPN.com. You have some questions for DJ. Uh, you can send them in. Uh, the offensive line kind of in shambles. It really has been the, the entire year. We'll, we'll get to DJ about that. Also, the, the Will Anderson, John Grenard stuff, uh, a conversation that we want to have as well. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. First, a moment on HRP, Human Resources and Payroll. It's Cougar owned by my colleague, O'Cougs, and members of the Cougar 100 for the 8th year 
year in a row. You've seen the HRP signage of U of H games or they're building off the Beltway. In business owners, let HRP help you. Whether it's HR compliance, benefits administration, payroll, onboarding, HRP can help in any or all of those areas. There's no boxes with HRP. Doesn't matter how small, how big the job, HRP completely customizes a plan for whatever you and your business needs. If you have a problem, an issue, you want to take a little bit off your plate, a lot off your plate, HRP will find a way to help. They do it in a way that's unique. Technology meets service. They have the best tech. You'll love that. But you'll also love their service. Guaranteed fulfillment. You never talk to a stranger. You'll be talking to someone who knows you and they know your business needs. Give them a call at 281-880-6525 and let HRP customize a plan for you. 281-880-6525 or check them out at hrp.net. That's hrp.net. All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Hanging out with DJB Enemy in studio. You can follow him at DJB Enemy on Twitter. Covers the Houston Texans for ESPN, ESPN, uh, ESPN.com. This offensive line, you just look at the injuries they've had all season. Look, Quesenberry, Kenyon Green, Juice Scruggs, Kendrick Green. Now Jarrett Patterson, who's a six-round pick who played every single snap for the Texans until he broke his ankle. This offensive line's in shambles, and it does not seem like there's anybody that's coming to the rescue. Yeah, I mean, I think if you lose... You're starting left guard, your backup left guard. You're the backup to the backup left guard broke his hand for a minute and he was able to come back. You lose your starting center, the backup center, and then the third string center. I mean, I just don't like no team can handle that, right? Where you look at suffer all those injuries, like no team can handle that. Like, cause offensive line, it's hard to find offensive linemen just across the board. Um, because that's that's probably one of the most scarce positions coming out of college, mainly because just how the game is so much different in college than the NFL. And with the new CBAs, guys don't practice as much in offensive line as much of a practice, like a reps thing and who your offensive coach is. I mean, not offensive coach, but your old line coaches. So, I mean, no team will be able to survive that. It is what it is for them. At least they have Laramie. They got Titus and they got Shaq. If they have those three guys, I mean, you can kind of pick your spots with who you put uh, in between them. But, I mean, it is what it is at this point. When you suffer that many injuries, it's just... Well, we were talking during the break. Titus is going to end up staying at left guard. We, Jeremy and I had this conversation the other day. We assume he's going to stay there pretty much the rest of the year? Yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, I would assume so. I mean, he came back to Falcons game, and he went right at left guard. And he hasn't left that spot since, you know? I think they, they've really liked what they've gotten from Fant. Fant has been, you know, consistent, solid pro at that right tackle spot. He knows the scheme inside out because he played for Robert Sala the past two years that same offensive system. So he, he knows, like he said, you know, he told me like the call's a little bit different, but for the most part, everything's the same. Um, so, you know, with coaches, a lot of the time it comes down to, can I trust this guy to mm-hmm. not make a massive blunder? Cause think about it in the Ravens game, right? Fan goes out and they put Michael Dieter in at right tackle, which was insane, but he's at right tackle and he gets beat immediately and sacks CJ, CJ fumbles. And at that point the game's over, right? Even though the game was already kind of teetering, but again, like you put a guy in at right tackle who, wasn't built to play right tackle and he gives him a sack and now that kind of ends that any chance if you come back in that game so for me what i realized a lot of this stuff whether college nfl it comes down to can i trust this guy to not make a colossal mistake um that could you know basically turn flip the game 
Yeah, negative plays are huge. Whether it's a sack, giving up a sack, tackle for loss, or flip it over to the defensive side where you look at the defensive line. John Grenard had a huge game. Texans had six sacks against Carolina. And a lot of people are pointing to the Will Anderson one sack. Uh, but it's getting pressures, some of the advanced numbers, the next-gen stats. They, they like Will Anderson. Uh, what do you make of Will Anderson so far through seven games? Yeah, I've been impressed. I mean, because it's funny, like, if he let's say he wasn't beating beating guys, let's say he didn't have a high pass rush win rate, he wasn't pressuring guys, um, he wasn't setting the edge, but he had like four sacks, four mm-hmm. and a half sacks. People be viewing him differently, even though he wasn't playing as well, right? Because he's doing all the other things that matter, whether it's setting the edge, being able to you know beat double teams at times, being able to still pressure quarterbacks and get he leads the team in pressures and quarterback hits. Mm-hmm. So imagine if he just had like let's say he had like five sacks, but he only had like ten quarterback hits and had a pass rush win rate that wasn't top four in the entire NFL, is more in like the mid 40s or mid 50s. We would be, you know, people would be like, oh my God, Will's playing so great. But in reality, like the film is saying, like, nah, he just had a couple of splash plays. So I've been impressed with Will because, again, like he's had, like he's had sacks taken away from him. Think about it. Like, he had a sack taken away from him in the last game and he had Derek Carr in his graph take him to the ground. Derek Carr floated it to uh, Taysom Hill. If those two plays go the opposite way, now he's at three sacks and we're talking about him in a completely different manner. Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting when you look at like his win rate, double team rate, and you compare it to Grenard. They're yeah. they're very similar, and but Grenard has the sacks. He yep. he has the six. Yep. Will Anderson has the one. What do you think the difference is there? Why does Grenard finish and and Anderson doesn't? I would say you know Grenard's been this is fourth year, so he just knows how to finish better against NFL competition. Um, also, I think now I won't say it's luck. I don't, I don't want to say that. I would say that you know he's had a few plays where he's just completely whooped the guy in front of him and got to the quarterback in the blink of an eye where they couldn't even they couldn't even think to even find like a check down like you know one of the sacks on uh Equanu, yeah. um against the Carolina Panthers where Will just hasn't had that level of explosiveness to get to the quarterback immediately and then be able to bring him down but you know Gennar is a is a pro's pro I mean he's been this is his fourth year and in 2021, he had like eight sacks in 12 yeah. games so he's known for being able to get after the pass rusher I mean get after the quarterback he's a really good pass rusher well, you look at it too, and you think about it, and it's it's not about you know Will Anderson doesn't get sacks or Will Anderson getting credit and maybe right. and getting compliments that maybe Grenard deserves. It's the fact that both of these guys have been playing really, really well, setting yep. the edge and wreaking havoc and getting destructive in the backfield, so that other guys can get home too. Because I was extremely impressed last week. With the fact that the interior defensive linemen were getting home too, yeah. which says something about overall that front seven. Yeah, no, I, like that was probably the most improved um, unit in the entire team was them fixing their front seven. Because you remember last year, the front seven was absolutely dreadful. Right, right. And <laughs> Malik know, Collins like, was all over the field when you watched the tape. Yeah, last week. yeah, 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 yeah. Like you know, like last year was an absolute. You know, I, you know, I don't want to use the word joke. It's okay, you, know, you can't. You know, it I, was, but think <laughs> it about sad. it. Last year, you know. They gave up the sixth most rushing yards in NFL history. This year, they're a top 11 rush defense. They're allowing 99 yards per game. And last year, they're allowing almost. Remember, they're hearing for like two. Like Actually, at one point <laughs> last year, they allowed the two highest rushing, the single game rushing uh, yards in a single game throughout the entire season because they allowed like two-something to the Titans when they're hearing for like they're 200. Kidding, yeah. And then the Bears game, which they, which they lost at the end, you know, they ran for like over 200, you know, because Justin Fields had a long run. You had one guy get a jet street and take that down the sideline for a long run. Like you had Khalil Herbert run really well that game. Like it was, it was absolutely insane. And this year, and it's for the most part, I mean, yes, you brought in Sheldon and you brought in Will 
and Denzel, but it's mainly been the same players. Mm-hmm. So for me, last year was I always thought it was a scheme issue. This year, D'Amico coming in bringing a scheme that fits his players a little bit better. Now the whole entire front seven has played way, way better in terms of stopping the run. So it's good to see them, you know, cash in on being you know the new pieces that they brought in, new scheme, and being able to play at a very high level. I think it's those three things are the biggest: D'Amico's scheme, what you got in the middle, and then Will. Will's been great against the run, and yep. that, like that doesn't really show up, but he he has been. It, it's been the strong suit of his game for sure. Uh, DJ B Enemy joining us in studio. You can follow him on Twitter, DJ B Enemy. Uh, this was trade deadline week. Texans didn't do anything. I don't want to ask you if you're surprised because I know the answer to that. But how do you think that was uh, taken within the room and could have Casario did did something to help this team that would make them closer to that goal we talked about earlier, being a playoff team? Um, For me, I don't think there was anybody out there that would have pushed them to the – like unless you – like a realistic option uh-huh. that would have pushed them over the hump in my eyes, mainly because – Would you have traded a third for Chase Young? I don't think – Trading a third for Chase Young gets them to the playoffs. So, no, I wouldn't have traded. I wouldn't have either. Because then, then like, all right, you trade a third for Chase Young, you have to extend him. Yep. So that means that money that you could be setting aside for Gennard now goes to Chase, and now Gennard's just playing just to play. Now, and you traded a third. Right, yeah. right. You're paying him twice. Yeah, exactly. So, no, nah, I wouldn't have done that. People mentioned, like, getting a receiver. The thing about trading for receivers, it's tricky, mainly because they got to learn a whole new playbook. Right, like even like people mentioned like Odell, how he was able to go to the L.A. Rams. I remember talking to Robert Woods about that, and he mentioned the fact that uh, in Cleveland they ran some similar stuff that the Rams ran, which helped that language barrier. And but it still took him like a little minute before he could finally get his feet under him and get going. Where the Texans and that Rams team was, they started hot. I think they might have been like seven and one or eight and two to start the season or something like that, where they were playing really hot, well, where they could and they had Cooper Cup who was about to be a triple crown, you know, triple crown winner. So they could wait for Odell to get kind of get on board and get on page where here you kind of need that guy to get going immediately. Right. Plus we call it, a, we call it the double whammy effect too. You don't want to give up draft capital and then have to pay an exorbitant amount of money because they're going to be free agents in the case of an Evans or in case right. of, of certain guys that you're looking at, like a T Higgins. Right, you, right, right. The double whammy effect is what could actually set this team back. Yeah. 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 No, I completely agree. I mean, we, we saw with the, even though like Larry's a great player, but we saw what that trade did for Miami and what it did for Houston. Yes, mm-hmm. Houston got a great left tackle. Obviously, got though Kenny Stills in there because he was part of that um, that trade too. Yes, Houston got a great left tackle and they got a very productive receiver. But that trade allowed Miami to supercharge their rebuild, where they were able to flip those yeah. picks into Tyree Hill, Bradley Chubb, and Jalen Waddle. And now look where Houston is, and now look where Miami is, where in, in their you know maturation processes and things of that nature. So, yeah, no, I completely agree with you. If you're going to make those type of moves, you have to you have to be ready. I remember talking to one head coach that said, like, in terms of going all in on your quarterback, you got to make sure your quarterback is ready for you to go all in. Once you go all in, you got to be able to win at a very high level and get to possibly get to the big game because that credit card bill is due. Yeah. And if you if your quarterback isn't ready, good luck. So no Damian Pierce, Singletary, you mentioned R.A., Boone, obviously the backup there as well to uh, Singletary. What do you think the, the share is in terms of touches in the uh, or snap count for, for the running backs? I think, I think Singletary will get like probably 65 to 70% of the carries. I think Mike Boone will be there on the – not carries, snaps. I yeah. think Mike Boone will get in um, there too, obviously. Uh, Dare will get in there too because, I mean, they're all, they're all four of them played last game. Well, actually, Dare didn't get any offense now, but he gets some special team snaps. But mm-hmm. those three, the other three, they played 
a decent amount of carries. And we saw, we already saw the shift happening, right? Like Singletary and Damian are already starting to split split carries, right? I think Singletary might have had 12, Damian, no, no. Damian had 12, Singletary had 10. And in the previous game, it was only separated by two against the Saints. So it was already trending in that direction to begin with. So, I mean, you know, if Damian wasn't getting the job done, then they're going to obviously switch to somebody else, uh, you know, Granted, the run game hasn't worked either way. Could only averaging 90, 91.9 yards per game, 23rd in the league. But, again, I think, you know, I expect Singletary to get the majority of the carries. How do you see it playing out Sunday? Because we, we were just talking about it earlier, and I said this game really, to me, comes down to Baker Mayfield. If Baker Mayfield gives it up or throws it up and turns it over a couple of times, that could be the difference maker, as opposed to if he just manages the offense and doesn't do anything to hurt them. Their defense is really good. They've got really good receivers. They're capable of scoring some points to where I think that, to me personally, it just maybe it dumbs it down too much, but it seems like it's a Baker game, make or break. Uh, yeah, I mean, but you can say that about CJ, right? Like, yeah, yeah. granted, CJ's only had one interception. Um, but again, like this this team is known for the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're known for forcing turnovers. So I would say, I could say you could apply that to both. I think. That applies to both sides, and it just has great value, mainly because both have really good, believe it or not, the Texans are top six they're, in points per game. They're tied with Tampa. Yeah, it's, yeah, they're tied with Tampa. So, like, it's going to be come down to which quarterback's the least amount of mistakes because all it takes is one quarterback to make one interception that gets returned down to, like, the 25s of, of, the, of, of the opposing team or whatever, and then that team scores a touchdown, and then now that changes the whole tenor of the game, you know? So, like, instead of being up, you know, it could be like 10-3, and then it's like, oh, the game might be teetering on out of reach. Because I think either team is down by 10, mm-hmm. they're, they're cooked. Because neither team has the offense to be able to quickly strike and get back into the game and win yeah. it. Yeah, I think it's going to be a tight one, too. DJ, we always enjoy the conversation. You do a great job covering the Texans beat uh, better than anybody else in this city. And always enjoy uh, catching up. Appreciate it, appreciate it, appreciate it. You got it. DJ Bianami joining us uh, in studio. Uh, great to have him for the last half hour. You can follow him on Twitter at DJ Bianami. Covers the Texans for ESPN and ESPN.com. All right, we'll return. Who said it? Can we beat Joe George at things that were said by ESPN 97.5 personalities? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. It's now time for the mega producer Joe George to do what he does best, and that's stumping. No one can stump the best stumper in Stumpville, and that's Stumpy Joe. Stumpy Joe. What happened to Stumpy Joe? The official explanation was he choked on vomit. Today, Stumpy Joe will try to stump the killer bees with who said it. Let the stumping begin. Let's get stumped. All right, who said it? Last week we dominated Joe George at this game. Uh, I think we had lost the previous two or three. Two. Two or three, though. So we got a really good rivalry going on right now between the Bees and Jose Jorge. So we'll see how it goes this week. I'm sure he's out to get us. I'm sure he's got a vendetta against the Bees. Uh, Who doesn't? I have a question before we start, Joseph. Since you have filled in the majority of the week. I'm not an option. Okay. Okay. I thought about it. Is Barry? No. Okay. Okay, there you go. I think think we, we... Established no fill-ins. That's a good call. That's good. I like it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he did that for a long time, uh, but that's okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you've seen the light. My way to counter get on. was non-competed. What was that's... I supposed to do? Well, that's well, a great well, counterpoint. But way to... <laughs> good rebuttal. <laughs> way, to not, way to not be Bush League. Well, uh, that was good. I lost a three-man show, and I didn't have a full-time host. <laughs> that's a good it's point. It's a bad place. All right. Let's get right. started. What's uh, what number one here? Number one, the killer suspects. I think the killer suspect sounds better than the usual bees, because that because that could sound like the usual BS. 
I, I, I think I know. Diaz I think I know exactly where this came from. It's got to be somebody who's promoting the show. It was right after our show. Oh, so it was after. I think it was Patrick Creighton, and I heard it on the way home. Oh, so you're pretty sure? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> this isn't. I'm pretty sure. This is. No, I'm I know pretty it. sure. This I heard Creighton on the way home. The go week. on like a. Go on like a, like a half a segment on this. <laughs> so what? Uh, at what time of the show was this? Was it like? I think it started. Okay. I think sense. he started his show by going into that. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. So, so Patrick Creighton. Yeah. So I'm gonna say Patrick <laughs> Creighton. Go PC. The killer. Yeah. Suspects. Everybody. Be. <laughs> Let's get this mic out of the I way. Think the it ruins our fist bumps. Sounds better than the usual bees. I thought that I could get you where Jeremy was going. I, I thought it'd be that the promo. Be Beard or he got, Mike. He like got me. Beard or Michael would have been the one to say it. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if it was too obvious. I thought maybe I could trick you guys. I was. I mean, I was, I was falling for it because I, I thought it would be he, the guy promoting um, the show. That wasn't all he said in that segment. <laughs> he was. He ran. He ran a muck a little bit. He, he went. He went after the, the show before us. Oh, did he? Yeah. I love PC. PC's PC's so good. All right, number two. You hear names like Ron Washington. You hear names like Osmus. You hear names. They're just names. They don't swing the bat. They don't throw the ball. Settle down. Oh, this is interesting. Okay, so it's not Lance who's throwing a chancla. I don't think Michael Connor would have this tame of was, an opinion about the manager. It was a tennis shoe, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I like oh, saying chancla because okay, yeah. it kind of touches well, we use that word to in my our house. Latin yes. roots. Um, I think this is either Granado or Paul. I think it's Paul. I think it's Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think Paul has been a huge stand for Dusty. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, in talking about that and then as it translates to what the Astros are going to do next, that it's his way of saying basically that these guys are just names. And I think the diminishing of the position, too, mm-hmm. where it's like, eh, it doesn't really matter. You know, and, and yeah, I think I think, I think you're right on track here. This might, you stole my thoughts as well. Let's go Paul Gallant. You hear names like Ron Washington. Yeah, good job. You hear names like Osmus. You hear names. It's wrong, Batman. I was going to say, what's Batman. the voice? Did he do that the whole show? No, just that one segment. <laughs> oh, I was about to say. <laughs> I thought so, too, at first. He dressed up like Batman yeah, he was, that, that day, was right? From, that was from yeah. Bat, when he was Batman. And which which one was he on Monday? He was one of a... He was like Draco. A, something, who is Draco? Something from, from Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. Oh, I don't do Harry Potter. I don't either. I don't do Harry Potter. But the, he explained that he was something from... Branham Kid just finished reading the Harry Potter. Oh, that's a... Yeah, well, All I mean, them? Branham, Branham wife helped them out. I think that there are, how many books are there? Not Branham Baby. Seven? No, Branham Baby's still got to say. I mean, he's saying Because otherwise, words, Branham Baby's going to Harvard at Branham, eight. Branham Baby hasn't matured past ball yeah. and mama. <laughs> I was going to say. No dada? Branham Baby can say seven words. He has not even bothered saying dad. Oh, that's tough. He, he, like, we look like we, blankers. We look at him, and we'll be like, dad, 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 dad. And he will go, mama. <laughs> He's a troll like his old man. All right. We're t- By the <laughs> way, both my girls, first word. Really? Dada. Oh, yeah. I'm so jealous. All right, number three. <laughs> People are going to take this poorly. I'm kind of tired of Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts in front of grocery stores. Mm, that's a fair take. It is a fair take. I love Girl See, Scout I, cookies. I, the, the, here's the, here's the, the part at the beginning I was yeah. like surprised by. That's Dude, a they good give take. You, they give you a hard sell. Here's the other awkward part about all of that is the fact that if you go back to the same store within a day or two, 
you feel you get guilted <laughs> all the same again because yep. this has happened to us even outside the Home Depot where one of Taylor's classmates was doing this. And I'm like, we bought the other day. And yeah. Lisa's like, yeah, but mom's with them. And what are we? Sp-? I'm like, I know what we're supposed to do is say we already got some. Thanks. You know, and you know what really stinks about it, too, is my old go to would be like, I don't carry cash. All I got's a card. Like, we got just the trick for yeah. that. I'm like, son of a gun. They, they found a way around. Yeah, it. I can't give my old excuse. So I, I'm not a fan of this. Who's saying this? This though? is a great question. Um, it could be Lance. It sounds like a cheapo to me, which I mean, I- I'm pretty frugal myself. But it sounds like somebody who's not willing to spit, like throw a little money around. So it, it sounds like Lance, after b- being through, I can see Lance like, saying it, like 15 kids, that he probably gets it. tired of it. I could yeah. see, I could see Paul saying it, but like just used him, maybe not. I could see Connor saying this. Okay, I think it's those two. I think it's maybe. I mean, Beard was your Monday. Yeah. I don't know if Beard would say that. I think it's between Michael Connor and uh, Lance. Okay. All right. I mean, I, I don't know how I, I can I, I really can't speak on the Connor side of it. I, I could see Lance saying this. I don't think John is going to come out that way because no, John would probably just buy it anyway. I, yeah, that's the thing. I think John's going to throw a little bit of money around for the Girl Scouts. I think he would do it for the kids. Um, I mean, you've had the hot hand. You want to go Lance? That's fine. All right. Lance Erline. People are going to take the spoiler. That was Beard. Okay. I'm kind of tired of Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts in front of grocery stores. That was your other option? No, it was Connor. Oh, okay. they, Bert, Beard was my third choice, okay. so I was never going to land on Beard. And that's kind of so tricky. Like, that's kind of a stickler on Joe's part because Beard was only here for one yeah. day. I'm not really. He's here for two days. Oh, was he? I thought he got the flu on Tuesday. No, it was Wednesday. Oh, that's right. He wore the, the tights on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, that, that should, we I should have known really, that. I could really. I really thought Lance said that. Beard's a little bit of a cheapo, too, so we should have. Uh, is he? I didn't right. know that either. I don't know. I just wanted to throw a shot. <laughs> That's why I like this game. Half the time that I pull clips, it's because I'm like, I think Jeremy and Joel might take we a might shot bite at someone. Or go the wrong like, they might just take a shot at someone. It's almost more like, can I get a better reaction than get it right yeah. at this point? That's sometimes. good for content. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Number four. It's a short one. Sorry. More imaginary. Hufflepuff fans or Everton fans? Okay, this sounds that's like a, a Dell and Lance conversation. That's exactly where my mind's at, yep. and I, I, I think they're talking Game of Thrones. It's Harry Potter. Oh, what's the difference? Just, <laughs> what's the difference? Somebody tell me the difference. Seven, I one, just three, went seven, on eight, the soccer three, angle. Three, seven, seven, I went to the soccer what's, angle of it. What's the difference between Harry Potter and Game of Thrones? Uh, no, that's you, where my you, mind. You was can't at get first, me though. to answer that. That's where my mind because they, they're the they would talk soccer. Uh, I don't think. The midday one? Andrew, Andrew does. Andrew's the like, only one that, as I was going to say, the only other option yeah. is Andrew's a soccer guy because so soccer matters. Can you say it one more time? Because it's either Granado could like chime in, though. Yeah, but he doesn't follow soccer like that. But he could, yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. More Del- imaginary Hufflepuff fans or Everton fans? Hufflepuff? Is that, Hufflepuff. A, is that a real thing in Lord of Rings? I thought that was a sport Lance plays on days he can't play disc golf. That's, I think it's Quidditch. I think it's, isn't that the game that they play? Joe and I know yeah, someone that know plays it very seriously too. Quidditch, yes, we do. Yes, Are you, we do. That's a like people oh, play it. He he tried out for like Dude, the Olympic Quidditch with, team or the. There's an with, Olympic Quidditch team. Not like the big Olympic, yeah, but yeah. there was there's like an they Olympic. Run Olympics. Olympics. There's, there's their like legs. an Olympics of Quidditch where Is they get like people from around the world to come play. Chris Olympic. Wow, you went there on it. I'm not no. Just asking. I need to know. So now that's going to be the. The alternative way of naming it, a Chris Bruce Bard Olympic. <laughs> wow. Is it Lance? I don't know if it was well played or not. I give you credit for it. You want to go with Lance? <laughs> yeah, I think we should go with Lance. All right, Lance Erline. 
more imaginary Hufflepuff fans or yes. Everton fans? Yeah, yeah what I just yes. real, what I just learned. What did, did you say? Hufflepuff? The, Hufflepuff? There's an Olympics is that, that might be referred to. What I just learned is that you guys do not listen to Connor and Beard at all. Because they both they talk soccer way too much. Do they? I, I see, said I, Andrew. No, but Connor also has a team. I don't Beard uh, is trying to get a team. I've been got, Joe. You got me. I don't listen to sports radio before our show because I don't want to like have to sports radio at all. Well, I guess. Well, I used to whenever we had the twelve to three. Oh, that's true. Because I would listen on the way home, but I don't listen before because I don't want it to like infiltrate what I think. Well, I'm so loyal to Joe. I listen whenever he does it after. Thanks. Appreciate that. So, is that a real thing in Lord of Rings? Or Hufflepuff is one of the houses in Harry Potter. So it's a real thing. Yes. Okay. I literally thought when Lance wasn't playing disc golf, he could play Hufflepuff. Is that a game? I don't even know if it's no, a game. No, it's a Huffle, house. Hufflepuff is like the is like a group of people. But you they're, don't see they're Lance like, they're playing. The purple team. They segregate in this book. They get put in different houses. That Lance bad. might get hurt if he played softball or pick up basketball or any other of those sports. But I, I could see him going to Granada. No, you really need to try Hufflepuff. All right. <laughs> I can see him saying that. This, Touché, I think this has right. been one of my favorite games of who so said it. So we won already, right? You won, yes, but we've already that was, won. That was question yes. four? Yeah, that was yeah, four. Oh, we're three one. and one. It's been very enjoyable, though. <laughs> uh, I only do it when I go to Walmart. Walmart is a place I never want to be seen. I just don't want to be seen. You just it's stop there. Stop Walmart. there. It's Paul Gallant. Yeah, we win. Four out of five. Game over. I only do it when I go to Walmart. Walmart is a place I never want to be seen. Because I heard it. I don't want to be seen. It's nothing against Walmart. I think it is. I think it is something against Walmart. I think it's more against the people who are also he, at at Walmart, and he doesn't want to be considered a people of Walmart. I literally mm. dialed into this conversation more than I normally would because of the fact that I need to. He- I needed to hear him try and talk his way out of not sounding like an elitist by saying that he had to go into full disguise so that he wouldn't be seen, recognized, or spoken to at a Walmart. See, and like, and I wanted to see who you guys would call an elitist. That's why I pulled this yeah. one, but you heard it. I was about to say Grenada would never, or Granada would never step That's what I wanted you to Walmart. say. <laughs> that was the goal. <laughs> they wouldn't. Uh, Beardwood, Connorwood. I'm surprised Paul does, but it, it makes sense that he's an elitist and doesn't want to be seen as a Walmarter. All right. That's, that's we, four out of five. Yeah, that's an ass kicking. Yeah, we did. It was we, tough. We, we beat you up pretty good there. It was, it was a lot. Beat you up pretty good. All right, Dana Brown, Astros general manager. He gave a 40-second answer to Randy McElvoy and pretty much told them their exact off-season plans. Uh, some encouraging things. One thing that maybe I'm reading too much into, I have a habit of doing that. You can talk me off the ledge if I am. One thing that concerned me, though, with what he had to say. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Most bees make honey. These killer bees make great sports insights, but they also make honey. Don't ask about the process. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's Joel and Jeremy. He's blank. I'm Bradham. A mean text later in the show will be our car wreck of the day, presented by CarWreckTexas.com. So you're not going to want to miss that. Uh, you still have time to say a bunch of mean stuff about us, too. you got about an hour to say mean stuff about us. Dana Brown met with some select media the other day. We saw Brian McTaggart and Chandler Rome and Matt Kawahara uh, like write articles about it and stuff. But Randy McAvoy had a, a little video with the Astros general manager. It was only 40 seconds. 
But there were some interesting tidbits in this 40 seconds that Dana Brown had to say. I think you can un, you can dice up the onion with all, everything they had to say. Here was Dana Brown. Here's the 40 seconds. Basically describe their entire offseason in 40 seconds. The priority right now is to uh, take care of some of the bullpen help that we're losing. So we got to, you know, try to find find some bullpen help that we can do that you know it may be from within mm-hmm. but we're going to have to replace you know Mayton, Naris and um, um, we also have uh, Stanek you know we have yep. to replace those kind of guys uh, I think the the core of our bullpen is still intact I think the rotation is still intact I think at the end of the day you know we're going to have to get a backup catcher for Diaz because you know Diaz is going to be the main guy next year and so, you know, we got some of our work cut out, but we have a lot of good pieces in place here, mm-hmm. and we're still set up to win. All right. A lot. <laughs> 40 seconds. Uh, good job by McAvoy to pull some stuff there from from uh, Dana Brown. Randy's, what, a, Randy's a, a killer bee. He's in the hive a lot. Yeah, Appreciate he is. Appreciate him. Yeah, for sure. Um, what did you hear there? What, I heard a lot. Stood out? I heard, I heard a, a lot. lot. I heard if I'm Ryan Stanek, I'm going to be putting my house up for sale and looking yeah. like he's gone. Kind of forgot his uh, name. <laughs> yeah, I, I I heard that there's not going to be any Astros fans with everything all amok because Yiner's not the, the starting catcher next year because I heard that. Um, one of the things I didn't hear that I was kind of hoping to hear was that he was also looking to add a bat, which was what it is what it is but it does sound like he's anticipating that of the three guys in the bullpen all three are going to be gone yeah i i saw a lot of people react that way i don't i didn't really totally understand why some would think that and, and why you would think that to me it's more those guys have entered free agency and now we need to fill those spots i don't think he was ruling out any of those guys more so of we know that they're now in free agency they are in the pool of free yeah. agency and for us to like fill the spot we have to sign a free agent i, I still think that it's lo- possible i'm not gonna say likely because I-, I don't think naris is gonna be back he get overpaid I-, I think the standing thing was not great that he forgot his name <laughs> i think like mayton could be back though so i don't i'm not ruling out any of those guys because he said this but I, I oh, totally I would understand. Stanek, I'm with you on yeah, that. Yeah, he, he he forgot Stanek's name yeah. there. It wasn't wasn't great. I, I think I think when I was listening to it and then trying to you know I went back and listened to it again and, and the only thing I can say is it's much like when Garrett Cole came out right after the World Series already put his Scott Boris hat on and says I don't I, I don't I don't I'm not employed here anymore. I'm a free agent. I think from a general manager's perspective, your first course of action is to say, these guys aren't officially on our roster anymore, so right. we have to kind of act like... Same with Maldi, because yeah. he's a free agent. You kind of got to act like, until they are again, they're not. That's that's kind of how I took it, and I, I could be wrong there. Now, the, the Yiner-Diaz thing, like, that's expected. Like I know yep. a lot of people heard her like, yeah, but expected. Like that, right. that, to me, was not news. I actually think they probably had that discussion with Maldi already. Probably. And I think there's a decent chance that Maldi could be back. Mm-hmm. I think there's a decent chance that the backup call, uh, catcher for Maldi or for Yiner could be Maldi. And I, I don't hate it. I, I really I don't, don't either, except for the fact that you, I, I don't know if I thought it was Joe, but one of you guys brought up the fact yeah. that the biggest issue is is that Verlander and Fromber, if he's on the roster in uniform, is going to say he could be the backup catcher, but on days I pitch, he's the starter. I think it's good that Dusty's not here, though, because I don't think that can that's happen true. anymore. I, I don't think that that can happen. But you better anymore. get a manager that's willing to stand up to those two guys then. For sure. Yeah. A- absolutely. Now, if he He's catching one of those guys every fifth day, whatever. Like, that's about the normal rate for a backup catcher to play anyways. Uh, The rotation being intact, some people didn't love that. 
you're not. I don't think you're adding a starting you're pitcher not. when you have Verlander. Whenever you have Fromber, you have Javier, uh, you have Urquidy, you have France, you have Hunter Brown. Luis Garcia is going to come back in the summer of next year. Who knows when Lance McCullers comes back? I'm not counting on Lance McCullers but it's a ever. It's a surplus of starting pitchers. Yeah, and I think that the only reason, even if you had an injury, you could get by without having to add a starting pitcher. I, I think that if there was some guy out there that was hell bent on wanting to play here and having a legit chance to win, and you know, and he was. But all the guys that you look at that are on the free agency market are probably going to get paid really, really, really well, and they're going to be in high demand by teams that desperately need more starting pitching, yeah. like the Twins and the Orioles and teams that fell short because in not not just in part, for the most part, because their lack of starting pitching. And the Astros aren't going to have tons of money to spend. Like even if we like are demanding that Crane spend into the competitive balance tax, are you going to spend twenty million dollars on a starter, twelve million dollars on a mediocre starter, whenever quite, you already have a lot of starters? Yeah, I think quite the opposite. I think we're Me all too. on the same page that it, they're going to actually look to use some of that excess of starting pitching to kind of do what they can't do because they don't have that excess of money, they're going to have to solve one of their problems by probably dealing at least one of their starting pitchers. Yeah, so that I, I believe that Dana Brown's not going to sign a starter. The core of the bullpen, like you do have Presley, you do have Abreu, the relievers you have under contract, Montero, uh, Graveman, which I'd like to hear a little update on that Graveman shoulder, by the way, yeah. uh, because that's critical. Or, and I'd also like to, whatever it is, better be re- hopefully is being worked on to be rectified before the start of next season. Yeah, I, I'd like an update on that and, and something to be rectified for that for sure uh i would even throw souza or however you pronounce his name souza souza, souza. Yeah. i would throw him into this i think he could right be now. a piece for you especially that he's a lefty there's your loogie he's very very cheap that's fine like so you have five relievers there i still want them to spend on at least two free agent arms the thing that i heard here that i didn't like uh and maybe i'm reading too much into it you let you guys let me know seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. i don't like that he said that we could be replacing the bullpen guys from within because you start talking about the options of bullpen guys from within, I don't like that. I don't like that. Who are you talking about? Renel Blanco now? Mm, don't love that. I don't even know who the relievers well, are in Sugarland other than Anoli Paredes. Well, Sousa's probably one of the guys that okay. he's looking at so to get you, that, that can be effective. I think the other guy that just because you have to, unless you can trade him, is you're going to move Montero back into more of that that kind of when you lose a Naris. But I think he was talking about the core there because like he's already under contract. So like you have the bullpen core. You already have four guys that are coming back: Presley, Abreu, right. Montero, Graveman. If we're counting, Su- uh, say it again, Sousa. 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 If we're Sousa. counting Sousa, that's five. So you still have to have three more relievers. And if you're promoting from within, who are those three relievers? Now you're talking about Seth like Forrest Whitley, Seth Martinez, Ronel Blanco. I don't like the idea of those guys getting like decent leverage innings, the Phil Maton innings. And I believe that if you have aspirations to be a World Series contender, that any of those names that we just mentioned should not be penciled into your opening day roster. I totally agree. The only, the, the only way I was looking at it, Jeremy, is, is if you're going to take one of your guys that was one of your key leverage guys, the 7th, 8th, and ninth, and Naris had one of those roles, and sometimes Maton did, depending on the situation, especially early in the season, that I was just looking at it from like a role play Sure. T- situation of saying, well, if you're losing one of those guys, then I, then you're going to fill it with within to put one of your your guys on the roster into a more high leverage situation. The logical thing is if Montero's being paid like it, and two years right. ago he was, that's where I saw it. No, I do think he's going. I agree with you. Like I do think he's going to get a step up back into his old leverage spot until he blows it again. He, probably. I don't like the idea of backfilling the bullpen. 
with AAA arms. I don't either. Joel Kunell, Seth Martinez. Don't like, let me see that Machin- Machinsky guy again. <laughs> Those guys should be options in case other guys get hurt. And look, I, I think you can find quality bull- bullpen arms out on the market without overspending. Aroldis Chapman had a really good season. He, he was a $4.5 proje- million dollar guy. They're projecting him at, at, at a max of 2-12, two and, two and 6 a year. How can you not say that that wouldn't be an upgrade for yeah. your bullpen? So I don't need to shop at the top of the market. I don't need a Josh Hader. But go find me a major league quality bullpen arm to backfill the rest of the bullpen instead of Joel Kunell and Ronel Blanco. Like Seth Martinez, but he needs to be the guy that gets called up when somebody gets hurt. He needs to be organizational depth. I didn't like when Dana Brown said we could be filling the back end of our bullpen from within. That scares me. That brings in names like Seth Martinez, Ronel Blanco, Forrest yeah, Whitley, I, I, I think need, might be trying to be pigeonholed into that I don't that need spot to see too. Paul Bunyan's softball play stand in and I don't need to see Hunter Machinsky ever again. The the guy they got from the red, yeah, the Joel whatever. Joel Kunell, yeah, I don't need to is. see any of those guys because this team's too good. Yeah. This team's too good and you would think that there should be a desire by a lot of relief pitchers that you're talking about in baseball to say I could do a lot worse than be having a chance to show my wares and possibly win a ring in Houston. Yeah. I don't I didn't like hearing Dana Brown saying that and to your point, I didn't I didn't like that he didn't mention it bad. I, I was expecting to hear it some way, some form we need. We still are going to need one extra bat on this roster, even if and, and God forbid he would say right off the top, Uncle Mike is going to be back, or we're looking at you know Michael Brantley being back, regardless of what he decides to do. I needed him to at least mention that we'll be exploring options to add another bat. Yeah, uh, me too. Like I'm right there with you. Like I, I feel like this team could use a starting left fielder, and I don't even need it to be again top of the market. Like mm-hmm. I'm fine filling the holes of this team with mid-level players, like some of those relievers that we brought up there, like a Matt Moore, somebody who intrigues me as a lefty. Um, in a role, this Chapman, I maybe he might make too much because he had a pretty good rebound year, but you can find some quality arms Matt Moore be good at. for pretty, like for $5 million, reasonable. You can find a left fielder, I think, like an Adam Duvall type, a Mark Canna type, for pretty affordable yeah. too. Like yeah. I don't need top of market, but if we're going into next season with like these fringe AAA players filling in like important spots on this team, that's not a team that has World Series aspirations mm-hmm. or, is, or is acting like. A Look, team I think you could get a Kevin Kiermaier for a very reasonable price if you're willing to accept the fact that Chaz is going to be your your uh, left fielder. Yeah. Uh, along in platooning with with Jordan. At least he's a big league. player. Yeah, he's a big league player. I don't know if that's. Sexy, look, and if, if but it's possible, and if Jacob Melton or Justin Dearden like blows you away in spring training and takes their job, cool, that's great. Like you have depth there. I don't love your that that way because I I rather have Chaz in center, but I don't hate that way. Michael Taylor's a name better. Uh, Michael Taylor's a name that I, I don't hate yeah. as well. So like that's that's fine. That's much better than we're going to go into next season figuring out left field DH on the fly. I don't think that's a World Series contender type of mentality. 713-780-ESPN. We'll get your thoughts on this. Also, Dusty Baker talking again about blog boys being the reason he retired. And Corey Seager kind of might, might have buried the Astros a little bit. I haven't heard it yet, but people told us we need to we need to listen to it, so we will. 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.